وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما ما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهج هج محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة كل بدعة ضلالة We continue with class number 12 of the sisters classes in which we are covering the tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha and matters of jurisprudence pertaining to women's affairs and lastly benefits from the biographies of the mothers of the believers, the wives of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In the last class, we covered benefits from the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, Sirat al-Ladina an'amta alayhim. Guide us to the path of those whom your favor is upon. And we covered that this is one of the three categories of people mentioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of Surah Al-Fatiha. Those whom Allah Azza wa Jal has favored them. And they are Prophets and the truthful and the martyrs and the righteous, as Allah Azza wa Jal clarified in another verse. Then we have two categories of people And these categories of people are in opposition 
to those whom Allah Azza wa Jal has bestowed his favor upon. Allah he mentions غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين and not the path of those whom your anger is upon nor those who are straight. So after making dua to Allah Azza wa Jal to guide us to the path of those whom his favor is upon we make dua to Allah Azza wa Jal to protect us from the path of those whom his anger is upon and to protect us from the path of those who are astray. Those whom Allah's anger is upon, these are the ones who have become corrupted in their intentions. فَعَلِمُ الْحَقِّ وَعَدَلُوا عَنْهِ They knew the truth, but they deviated and turned away from the truth. So their intentions, that which is within themselves, became corrupted. And as for the statement of Allah, وَلَبْضَالِينَ And those who know those who are astray, they are the ones who are ignorant and they do not know the truth. So they became misguided, not knowing the path of the truth. So these are the two paths or two categories of people that we ask Allah as a wajal to protect us from. So here we have three categories. Those whom Allah's favors upon, those whom Allah's angers upon, and those who are astray. Those whom Allah's favors upon, we covered that. The prophets, the truthful, the martyrs, and the righteous. But who are the ones whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anger is upon them? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself clarified this matter. So that there is no doubt whatsoever as to who these individuals are and as a means of protecting ourselves from following these individuals or being upon their way. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he stated In al Magbub Alayhim Al Yahud wa in Dalin al Nasara The Prophet ﷺ said, Indeed, the ones whom Allah's anger is upon are the Jews. And indeed, those 
monastery of the Christians. And this is authentically reported on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it has been mentioned that the scholars of Tafsir are in agreement to that which has been mentioned. That those whom Allah's anger is upon are the Yahud and those whom are astray are the Nasara. The question comes, why is it the Yahud are described as being those whom Allah's anger is upon? And why is it that the Nasara are described as being those who are straight? As for the Yahud, Allah's anger is upon them because they are people who have knowledge. However, they do not practice that which they know of the truth. Whereas the Nasara, they are astray as they are individuals who do not have knowledge but they put forth efforts and striving but is based upon ignorance so they are astray from the right path the scholars of the past have mentioned من فسد من علمائنا ففيه شبه من اليهود ومن فسد من عبادنا ففيه شبه من النصارى Whoever has become corrupted from our knowledgeable folk, then within him is a resemblance of the Jews. And whoever has become corrupted from our devout worshippers, meaning the devout worshippers from amongst us, those who dedicate themselves to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he has within him a resemblance of the Christians.
And this statement has come on the likes of Sufyan ibn Uyayna and others from the Salaf. And the exact or the reason that was given لِأَنَّ النَّصَارَ عَبَدُوا بِغَيْرِ أَمْ وَالْيَهُورَ عَرَفُوا الْحَقُ وَعَدَلُوا عَنْ That is because the Christians, they worship without knowledge. And the Jews know the truth, but they turn away from it and deviate or left off following the truth that they knew. So when we have individuals who have knowledge from this ummah, they go against that which they know. They don't follow and adhere to the knowledge that they have. This individual is resembling the Jews in this matter. Being one who has knowledge, but not practicing that which he knows. And when you have one who is from amongst us, who is dedicating himself to worshiping Allah, but yet his worship is not based upon that which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam came with, then this individual in this situation is resembling the Nasara. Those who are astray because they worship Allah based upon ignorance. And from the groups of deviants, we find Ahlul Kalam, or the people of theological rhetoric, they are the ones who resemble the Jews. And we find that Ahlul Tasawwuf, the people who practice Sufism, they are the ones who resemble the Christians. We have in the narration that Adi ibn Hatim radiallahu an and there's another narration that Abu Dhar radiallahu an they both asked the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam about the statement of Allah غير المغبوب عليهم ولا الضالين Not the path of those whom your anger is upon, nor those who are astray. So here we have two companions asking the Prophet ﷺ regarding these two categories of people. And this is an indication of the importance of knowing who are the ones who are upon the paths of misguidance. Who are the ones that are upon other than the path of Allah Azawajal? For what purpose? For the purpose of protecting ourselves from being upon their way or following them. And how wise and noble. Are these two noble 
beloved companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and asking the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam about these two categories of people. But today we benefit from this, knowing that the Yahud are the ones whom Allah's anger is upon, and the Nasara, they are the ones whom Allah has described as being astray. However, these two characteristics, the characteristic of having Allah's anger upon them, and the characteristic of being astray, these two characteristics are shared between both groups. Meaning by that, that Allah's anger is also upon the Nasara and the Yahud are also astray. However, when it comes to the Yahud, Allah's anger is more so upon them. And when it comes to the Nasara, they are more so astray. So when Allah mentions غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ not the path of those whom are astray, nor those who are, not the path of those whom your anger is upon, nor those who are astray. And then the Prophet Wasallam saying that المَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ هُمُ الْيَهُودِ and Abdalun Humun Nasara doesn't mean that the other group doesn't have the other characteristic. Rather, that which has been mentioned here in the Fatiha is that which is more so specific to that group. Allah Azza wa Jal He mentioned in the Quran وَغَضِبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ And Allah is angry with them Meaning the Yahud Also the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal فَبَاءُوا بِغَضِبٍ عَلَىٰ غَضَبٍ So they have upon them the anger of Allah on top of anger. And why is this? As Allah Azza wa Jal said about them الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابِ يَعْرِفُونَهُ كَمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ وَإِنَّ فَرِيقًا مِّنْهُمْ لَيَكْتُمُونَ الْحَقِّ وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ And those whom we have given them the scripture, they know him like they know themselves or they excuse me they know him like they know their children 
And indeed, a group from amongst them, they conceal the truth. Allah Azza wa Jal here is referring to the Yahud. That these individuals knew him, meaning they knew the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam like they knew their own children. But indeed a group from amongst them, they conceal the truth while they know better. These individuals, they knew the signs of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And these individuals, they used to say to the polytheists that once the Prophet comes and appears, we are going to fight alongside with him against you all. But once the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came, and he was not from the lineage of Ishaq, rather he was from the lineage of Ismail, they concealed the truth that they knew. So the concealment of the truth, hiding the truth and not standing upon that which one knows of the truth, is a way to earn the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we find from amongst them, from their rabbis, those who made haram that which Allah has made halal. And they knew that Allah Azza wa Jal made it halal. Or those who made halal that which Allah has made haram, and they knew that the matter they was making halal, Allah has made it haram. So they change the legislation of Allah knowing better. So Allah Azawajal described him as being those whom his anger is upon. And the ones who did these things were their scholars. However, Allah Azawajal mentioned all of them. Why? Because the people, they followed their scholars and that which was wrong. So they took the ruling of their scholars also. As for the Nasara, the Nas was mentioned, they are individuals who are ignorant, worshipping Allah based upon ignorance. So Allah Azza wa described them as being astray. 
So here the Yahud are described as being those whom Allah's anger is upon, meaning due to their actions, Allah's anger comes down upon them. Whereas the Nasara are described as being those whom are astray and not those who are made to go astray. And the scholars mentioned for the purpose of showing that they are astray due to themselves. Due to their ignorance. Due to that which they have chosen for themselves. Without a doubt, guidance is in the hands of Allah. Allah guides whomsoever He wills, and He leads astray whomsoever He wills. But those who go astray are astray due to themselves and their ignorance, not due to oppression from Allah as Allah is free from oppression. As Allah He mentions, so when they deviated, Allah deviated their hearts. So they were the ones who initiated the deviance. And the reward for deviance is more deviance on top of the deviance. So even though the Nasara, you have from amongst them those who strive to worship Allah, their striving is based upon ignorance. Their striving is based upon ignorance. It is not based upon revelation. And this is the affair of many from the people of innovation. That they intend by their acts to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, their actions are based upon ignorance and not revelation. So they are astray. As the Prophet mentioned, And every innovation in the religion is misguidance. And every misguidance is in the hellfire. A question comes, why are the Yahud mentioned first? Before the Nasara. Number one, the Yahud were present before the Nasara. Number two, the Yahud were the closest of the people of the book to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as they were his neighbors in Medina, whereas the Christians 
were in other regions outside of Medina. And for this reason we find that Allah, He addresses the Yahud in the Quran more so than He addresses the Nasara. Also, the Yahud, their kufr is more severe than the kufr of the Nasara. So for this reason, the anger of Allah is upon them. For their kufr is based upon arrogance and obstinate transgression of the boundaries. Also, it was befitting to mention the Yahud right after mentioning those whom Allah's favor is upon, because the opposite of one who is favored is one who is shown anger and is hated and despised. Also mentioning those whom Allah's anger is upon before mentioning those whom are astray. This has within it the severe threat and warning more so than that which is connected to those whom are astray. Another benefit we receive or we get from Allah Azawajal mentioning these two categories of people after mentioning those whom his favor is upon is that matters are known by their opposites. So when we make dua asking Allah to guide us to the straight path, the path of those whom his favor is upon, not the path of those whom his angers upon, nor the path of those who are astray from his path, this makes it clearer for us the correct way, the correct path. Also, we understand from this that the correct path is the path that combines between two matters. The first matter is Al-Ilmunafir and the second matter Al-Amalus-Salih. The first matter is the beneficial knowledge, that which the Christians they lack and are void of. And the second matter is the righteous actions, that which the Jews they lack and are void of. So if one wants to be upon the straight path, then it is a must that the person 
combines between beneficial knowledge and righteous actions. In these two matters, Allah Azza wa Jal, He sent His Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with. As Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, Huwa alladhi arusala rasulahu bil huda wa deen al haq liyudhirahu ala deen kulli walau kariha al mushrikun. That he is the one who has sent his messenger with the guidance and the religion of truth in order that it may be superior and uppermost over every other religion even though the polytheists they hate it. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala he stated Ajma' al-Salaf ala anna al-Huda huwa al-Munafi' وَدِينَ الْحَقِّ هُوَ الْعَمَلُ الصَّالِحِ Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala he mentioned that the Salaf are in agreement that the guidance is the beneficial knowledge and the religion of truth is the righteous actions and this is the way that we are commanded to follow as Allah azawajal he mentions to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ثُمَّ أَوْحَيْنَ إِلَيْكَ أَنِ اتَّبِعْ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفَ وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And then we reveal to you, meaning you are Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to follow the monotheistic path of Ibrahim who was a person of Tawheed and he was not from the people of Shirk. Allah commands Prophet Muhammad to follow Ibrahim. What did Allah say about Ibrahim? مَا كَانَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ يَهُودِيًّا وَلَا نَصْرَانِيًّا وَلَكِنْ كَانَ حَنِيفًا مُسْلِمًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ The Ibrahim, he was not a Jew nor was he a Christian. However, he was Hanif, a monotheist, and a Muslim, one who submitted to Allah, and he was not from amongst the people of shirk. What is the connection here? Allah frees Ibrahim salam from being a Jew and frees him from being a Christian. Who are the Jews? The Jews are the ones who have knowledge and do not practice their knowledge. Who are the Christians? The Christians are the ones who have practiced that's based upon ignorance and not based upon knowledge. So Ibrahim was not from this group nor from that group. So that means that Ibrahim salam was a person who combined between beneficial knowledge and righteous actions. Therefore Allah commanded the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, to follow his way. Bismillah alhamdulillah. وَالصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَى نَبِيَّنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَأَصْحَابِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ أَمَّا بَعْدٍ We continue with the matters of jurisprudence connected to the woman in the last class we had left off with one of the matters of the fitrah and 
that is the the khitan the circumcision and we mentioned uh, the three main positions of the scholars regarding this that circumcision is obligatory upon both men and women the second circumcision is recommended upon both men and women and in the third position that circumcision is obligatory upon the men recommended for the woman and Ibn Qudama and Al-Mughni, he stated that this is the statement of many from amongst the people of knowledge. Moving on, another matter of fitra that has come in the narration, Al-Istihdad, the removal of the pubic hairs the removal of the pubic hairs is is upon both men and women the removal of the pubic hairs is upon both men and women and this is one of the matters of fitra The sprouting of the pubic hairs is one of the matters which establish puberty for the child. Once the pubic hairs have sprouted, then the child is considered responsible now in Islam, both male child and female child. The pubic hairs are to be removed every 40 days. Likewise, the cutting of the nails, the removal of the hair from the armpits, and for the men, shortening the mustache. We have in the narration on the authority Anas ibn Malik radiallahu an and who was Anas ibn Malik Anas ibn Malik he is one of the great companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam who was given as a worker and servant to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam by his mother Um Sulaim Ar-Rumaysa and what a noble act she did in giving Anas to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to work for him because Anas ibn Malik radiallahu an he is one of the companions that have many narrations on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam about many affairs that we benefit from today.
So Anas ibn Malik radiallahu an, he stated, وُقِّتَ لَنَا فِي قَصِّ الشَّارِبِ وَتَقْلِيمِ الْأَذْفَارِ وَنَدْفِ الْإِبِطِ وَالْحَلْقِ الْعَانَةِ أَنْ لَا نَتْرُكَ أَكْثَرَ مِنْ أَرْبَعِينَ لَيْلًا Anas ibn Malik radiallahu an, He stated that a time frame has been given to us when it comes to shortening the mustache, clipping the nails, plucking the hairs of the armpits, cutting the hairs or shaving the hairs of the private area or shaving the pubic hairs, that we do not leave it off more than 40 nights. This statement of Anas bin Malik radiallahu an that a time frame has been given to us. A time frame has been given to us, meaning the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam set for us a time frame. As it has come in another wording, Waqqatalana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Another wording states that the Messenger of Allah established for us a time frame that we do not leave off clipping out with the nails, shortening the mustache, shaving the pubic hairs and plucking the hairs of the armpits more than 40 nights. So this is a matter, barakallah fikum, that is obligatory upon the men and the women. The scholars they mention that the removal of the hairs of the armpits and the hairs over the private area can be removed by any means lawful. So if one uses hair remover or shaves, then that which is intended has been attained, which is the removal of the hairs. And in this, there's a benefit. Number one, following the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, which is an act of ibadah. And number two, there are health benefits. behind removing the hairs of the armpits and shaving the pubic hairs.
as this is a matter of cleanliness and it prevents odors from these areas if hair was left and other than that the scholars mentioned that these matters of the fitrah they serve both religious and worldly interests that one may notice by reflecting upon the issue Number one, improving one's physical well-being and cleansing the body thoroughly, taking precautions to ensure purity when doing ghusl or wudu, doing a favor to one's companions and friends by avoiding making them feel uncomfortable with unpleasant smells that may offend them. Another matter that is connected to this Differing from the practices of the disbelievers, such as the Magians, the Jews, and the Christians, and the idol worshippers. It involves being obedient to the commandment of Allah, who is the one who has legislated this, these matters of fitrah. Preserving that which is mentioned in the Quran. And that means preserving one's beautiful image. As Allah has given us beautiful images, so we should not distort our images with anything that makes our images ugly. So we take care of our images and beautify our images by practicing these matters of fitrah. Also, Barakallah Fikum, there's a narration that comes in the Sahih uh, the Sahih of Imam Bukhari, Rahimahullah, and Sahih Muslim, on the narration of Jabir, Radiallahu An. That when the Prophet وسلم, would return back from a military expedition, or one time he returned back from a military expedition, and the people wanted to go right into the city. But the Prophet وسلم, delayed entering upon the people until the night as a means of giving the woman time to tidy herself up and to shave her pubic hairs. And the scholars, they say the benefit behind this is this is in relation to the woman whose husband is absent. So what is meant is that so that she may remove her pubic hairs as a means of beautifying herself for her husband when he returns and wants to have relations with her.
the cutting of the nails is also important, especially for the woman, that they do not allow their nails to overgrow and then leave it for over been for over forty days. As uh, this also has not only religious benefits, but benefits when it comes to one's health. As when one has long nails, and the person does not clip their nails, then this opens up the door for bacteria to be under the nails. And those who work in the health field and hospitals and the likes, they know that this is a standard rule, that the nails can only be a certain length. And this is for the purpose of preventing the spread of sicknesses to oneself or to others. And this is Barakallah Fikum. This is a part of good hygiene. And this is an indication of the perfection and the completeness of this deen. So these matters that have been mentioned, it is not allowed to leave these affairs over 40 days or 40 nights. So this is a must upon both men and women. In the other narration, one of the things that's mentioned for being from the fitrah, from the narration that ten things are from the fitrah, were in the growing of the beard. And this is for the men. It is upon the men to leave their beards to grow and not cut their beards. As for the women who have facial hair, that of a mustache or a beard, then it is allowed for them to remove this facial hair from their faces as this is not normally the case with women. But then there are some women who grow facial hair, hairs under the chin, that normally a man will have, and it is allowed for a woman uh, to remove this. As for the men, then the men are not allowed to cut their beards and cutting their beards off is resembling the woman and is not allowed in Islam for the men to resemble the woman nor it is allowed for the woman to resemble the men
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين. We continue with benefits from the biographies of the mothers of the believers, and we are still covering benefits from the life of our mother, Sauda bint Zamah. <coughs> Sauda bin Zam'a, the second wife of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the one who he married after the death of Khadija radiallahu anha. We covered in the the last class benefits related to patience of Sauda upon worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even after her husband died she remained firm upon the religion her patience prior to the death of her, of her husband, making hijrah with her husband to Abyssinia and leaving behind her homeland. And her firm resolve in worshiping Allah and holding on to her deen. And as a result of her patience, As a result of her firm resolve, Allah blessed her with the best husband that a woman can have, and that was in the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And keep in mind the type of woman that the Prophet ﷺ married after the death of Khadija and he has daughters he had Fatima Zainab Ruqayah and Umm Kulthum So the Prophet ﷺ has a house full of young women, young ladies, females, who are in need of cultivation, who are in need of a mother figure after the death of their mother Khadija. And Sauda radiallahu anha, she was the one that was chosen. And those characteristics that she possessed of patience, firm resolve, holding on to her religion, these are all of the characteristics that a mother should have 
whether the biological mother or the wife of the husband who is the stepmother to his children. And know that when a woman marries a man who has children, that she is responsible for those children, even though they are not his children, or not her children, excuse me. As the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned, المرأة رائعة في بيت زوجها وفي أولاده وهي مسؤولة عن رعيتها that the woman is a shepherdess in the house of her husband and over his children and she is responsible for her flock the point here over his children the scholars they mention this is whether these children are from her or from other than her she is responsible and Sauda radiallahu anha Coming into this household, she fulfilled the trust and took on this responsibility. And again, she's a woman of patience, a woman of sacrifice, a woman of firm resolve. And a woman with these type of characteristics will always be a woman who is a good mother figure for her daughters. And this is something that the woman should be mindful of. And in her taking care of the daughters of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, she brought happiness into the heart of the Prophet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam After losing the closest of the people to him Khadija radiallahu anha And it is mentioned in some narrations That Sauda She used to joke around With the messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sometimes Until she would make him laugh And she had an opportunity to spend with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam alone with him until after the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam migrated to Medina and then consummated his marriage with Aisha radiallahu anha. But prior to that, she had time alone with the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And she used that time wisely. She used the time wisely as she was a good Muslimah, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and she was a good wife to her husband, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and she was a good mother to his daughters. Radiallahu anhunna.
And this is important that these matters are studied and that the women may have these examples for them because in our communities this happens women they marry men who have children from a previous marriage and likewise is upon the brothers to study the example of the Prophet ﷺ and the men from the Sahaba who married women who had children from a previous marriage and how we should be because at times we fall short when it comes to how we treat the children of our spouses who are from previous marriages meaning those children are from previous marriages a lot of times we fall short and this is due to ignorance this is due to lack of patience this is due to not implementing what we do know at times because some of us we do know these narrations but we do not implement them in other reasons and as a result of being ignorant or knowing and not practicing this leads to the breakdown of the family structure so there are a lot of divorces in the community and all of us myself included we must strive to implement that which Allah has legislated so that we do not add to the problem and add to the statistics of the divorce rate and rather we should strive to implement that which Allah has legislated and that which we find in the life examples of the Salaf as a means of a solution to the problems that we have in our private family lives So Sauda radiallahu anha bin Zam'ah She knew that her marrying the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was an honor for her a vast and great honor and virtue for her and she showed gratitude for that favor of Allah upon her by doing good to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and by doing good to his children his daughters which shows that Sauda was a woman who was grateful for the favors of Allah and this is another benefit we take from her life the display of her gratitude for being married to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam after losing her husband and she was close to her husband as they both made hijrah they both almost accepted Islam and made hijrah for the sake of Allah and then returned back to Mecca and the husband died she lost her husband and he was dear to her but she was patient upon that and Allah blessed her with a better husband in the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and this is not to slight the companion 
but for our creed or no buts. However, our creed establishes that the Prophet wasallam is the best of mankind. So in her marrying the Prophet wasallam after losing her husband and being patient upon that, Allah increased her in virtue with the marriage to the Prophet wasallam. Let me Allah be pleased with all of the companions. Inshallah ta'ala we will stop at this point. Whatever is correct, the praise is for Allah Azza wa Jal alone. Whatever is incorrect, it is for myself. Wa subhanaka Allahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha ila anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubidu.